And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 371, a.k.a. Year 8, Week 16. Uh, coming at you this week, as always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC and... KS. Uh, KS. He's there. He is there. Yeah, I got he it. unmuted yeah. just in time. <laughs> just in time. Uh, and since this is your regularly scheduled uh, broadcast on Clubhouse, find us there. Uh, at the Anarchist Experience, or at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H, uh, to get into the club and to participate in the show uh, if you're not a trolley. Because people, like it's weird, people pop in and they raise their hand, but they look kind of sketchy. And so I just let them sit there for a minute and then they dip out. And I was like, all right, glad that bullet was dodged. Uh, but find us there, that'll uh, around 4 p.m. Eastern Time, um, Saturday afternoons. That's when we record, and the podcast goes up shortly thereafter um, for your consumption and enjoyment or whatever. So, uh, what is going on with you guys this week, if anything? Uh, open to the whatever comes along. It wasn't a particularly exciting uh, time. Just more of the nonsense from the previous weeks? <laughs> yeah, more of the same. Nothing, nothing shocking new. Everything that's already been covered here. Although, any thoughts, um, Elon backing out temporarily on Twitter, does that even, like, rankle you at all? Uh, no, not really, because it's, it's one of those things, like, you, you just have to wait and see what happens. Okay. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Is it a troll move? Like, was the whole thing a setup? Because I get conspiratorial. I go, well, of course he's not going to. He never was. He was just, you know, he was just wading into the waters trolling. And then now he's out, right? Like he had his fun. He moved the price. I mean, it's 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 possible, but who knows? Okay. Like I said, I think we just have to wait and see how how it rolls out. Like, so one of the problems with news is we get everything so instantaneously that by the time we figure something out, something else will happen, and then we'll have to talk about it again. And it's like, you know, it'd be better just to wait a month and be like, oh, yeah. Twitter either bought it or didn't buy I mean, Elon bought Twitter or didn't buy Twitter. Okay. So I hear what you're saying. And let me let me take that concept over to all the information that came about uh, came out about COVID during that period of time. Right? Like some of us, I'll include myself, um, thought we had it down from the beginning and we just watched the state agencies, Dr. Fauci, etc. Uh, flip-flop and change positions and do whatever. Uh, there's a new meme uh, with, like, Bill Gates going, well, we didn't realize it at the time that this was, you know, a very minor virus that only really affected the elderly. You know, we just, how could we have known? They're like, we fucking told you, right? We're all, we're all mad at him. We fucking, we told you from the beginning. Um, but the, the other side of it was, like, we watched the science happen in real time, and as you said, MC, because we were updated so frequently um, sometimes, you know, as they did more testing or, you know, I, I think it's easier. 
it's easier to tell what a virus is going to do than what people are going to do. So what Elon Musk is going to do, nobody really knows. It's in his control what he's going to do. And what the virus is going to do, well, viruses do one thing. So they're, they're pretty consistent. <laughs> okay. Are you saying that there's a difference between the, the flip-flopping of the state agents during the virus? No. Okay. Again, those, those are people. And so people just are unpredictable. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's similar. You could say, well, we just have to wait to see what the state does. Like That's what I'm state, saying. Well, not the what the state does. Probably going, the people that make up the state are probably going to do all kinds of crazy shit because they're people and they're unpredictable. Okay. I'm more suggesting that we should have uh, wait and saw what the virus did right before the state came out with all their information and then changed it and backtracked and yeah. walked it back and I mean, did something else because they didn't know either. Yeah. But the, they were like, the, they were throwing out hypotheses and testing it and then, you know, flip-flopping on the results because, hey, that's kind of how science works. Yeah, and it's, and Bill Gates is one of those people. He's really popular and powerful, and he's been pushing this idea that we're all going to die from a virus someday. So this one comes along, and, he's, and he, he tries his best to get everybody to be afraid. And why? Well, because he's invested in vaccines. So. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. But that's why people are mad at him because, like, we, we told you, like, there was a handful of us right that predicted this mm. from the beginning who saw what the, you know the the real information that was coming out um you know like from the beginning it only it affected um elderly folks and people who already had uh, comorbidities or whatever right. and we went well let the so rest of us live our lives what i what i don't understand is why he hasn't been thrown under the bus yet you know he should be totally discredited but instead He's selling a book about how to protect the world from viruses permanently. Like, we'll just eliminate all viruses. That would be something. Like, he's not an epidemiologist. He's, he's, you know, he's not the guy. You see, what you do, MC, is you just take all the people with the virus and you kill them and then you burn them. And since the virus isn't going to outlive the inferno, right, then you eradicated it. Yeah. So I didn't read the book, but apparently one of his main thing, themes in the book is complete isolation of the okay. virus. If everybody just isolates, then, then there will be no more viruses. It's like, he doesn't understand people very well. <laughs> I think we should isolate him. <laughs> you know, put, put him in, in, in his billion-dollar mansion and don't let anybody go there. Um, Ever, so for he anything. Get, yeah, so yeah, just put him in his house prison. Uh, that would be okay with me, but all right. I got headlines. I know that was a, a brief intro, but I got plenty of headlines. If you guys are interested, I'm uh, interested. Okay, good. At least someone is. Uh, headline: New York City Mayor defends kidnapping, strip searching of mother for selling fruit without paying the city first. Uh, headline: The decline and fall of the Oath Keepers. Headline: Whatever happened to the fifteen dollar minimum wage? Headline, family of six-year-old who ran a marathon visited by Child Protective Services. Parents speak out. Did we talk about that at all on this show? Um, it's okay if we didn't. I, I so. have a lot of conversations, and I don't know how many of them are recorded and broadcast. <laughs> so if, if I ask, it's not that I forgot. It's that I forgot who I was talking to. Okay, so we didn't talk about that here because you guys don't remember. All right, headline, leftists hate free speech because they fear dissent not disinformation 
uh, headline, Neoliberal Policies Institutions Have Prompted Preference for Greater Inequality, New Study Finds. Uh, headline, This Michigan Town Repealed the Ban on Fortune Tellers, But Might Break State Law If It Tries to Regulate Them. Uh, headline, Stepson of Deceased Mob-Connected Businessman Charged with Participating in a Red Light Camera Kickback Scheme. Headline, House of Representatives to Give Staff Free Peloton Memberships costing taxpayers uh, headline inflation triggers mandatory minimum wage increases in california uh, headline aurora dog bark law city limits how long a dog can bark and finally headline baby formula thank protectionists and the fda for the shortage i kind of wish uh, chaos was unmuted there because i think he would have got a kick out of the dog barking one i was like waiting for him yeah, we can we can do that one or the the last one, the you know the baby formula. I think that's a pretty interesting thing that's developed yeah, I, here. I like the baby formula one, the last one, and I like the very first one about the kidnapping over the fruit. Okay. Um, and the, yeah, but I mean, I like you know they're all all in good stuff, but those I, were ones. That I think the kidnapping over the fruit was uh, somebody getting arrested because they were selling fruit. Yes. So not actual kidnapping. Or maybe without without permission, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll do the baby formula. Um, I'll line up the the kidnapping, and then the, the dog barking one is short, but it's funny. So if we you know maybe we'll just tie the, end the show with that one at some point, um, because it's dumb. All right, baby formula. Thank protectionists and the FDA for the shortage. For parents who rely on baby formula, whether by choice or due to medical necessity. The nationwide baby formula shortage has become increasingly difficult to ignore. According to the Wall Street Journal, Walgreens, Target, CVS, and Kroger have all begun rationing supplies of formula. COVID lockdowns, combined with a product recall by formula manufacturer Abbott Nutrition, has created a very real shortage in a product that is key for proper nutrition in many children. While the shortage has come the usual half-baked bromides about evil corporations and how baby formula companies are supposedly not regulated enough. Throw in a few references to late-stage capitalism, and you'll get a good taste of the usual blame-capitalism narrative that accompanies every bout of shortages or rising prices. Formula is heavily regulated and subsidized. In reality, federal government intervention in the formula market is rampant. Thanks to the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infant, and Children, uh, WIC, Former formula companies are heavily subsidized by voucher programs, which means that the U.S. government is providing more than half of the formula that is used in the U.S. Within this voucher program, funds are funneled to select corporations through programs that grant the formula company the exclusive right to have its formula provided to WIC participants in a state. The practice, this means, is the, means the largest companies with the most lobbyists are able to dominate the subsidized portion of the market. Since the subsidized portion of the market is so huge, that usually means those companies dominate the market overall. This makes it harder for newcomers to break into the market and offer any real competition. This means the marketplace becomes reliant on a small number of large firms. The anti-competitive nature of federal WIC policy is just one aspect of how little the formula market has to do with anything we might call the free market. Another major and important factor is the restrictions on foreign imports enforced by federal law. 
the U.S. regime overall is very protectionist when it comes to daily uh, dairy products in general, and formula is certainly no exception. As one pediatric medical journal states flatly, instant infant formula in the United States is highly regulated. This can be clearly seen in protectionist trade laws imposed on formula in the guise of protecting consumers. As Derek Thompson at the Atlantic noted, Food and Drug Administration, uh, regulation of formula is so stringent that most of the stuff that comes out of Europe is illegal to buy here due to technicalities like label requirements. These bureaucratic requirements fall under non-tariff barriers, which in many cases present even greater barriers than tariffs. But tariff barriers are significant as well. Thompson also noted that U.S. policy also restricts the importation of formula that does meet FDA requirements. At high volumes, the tax on formula imports can exceed 17%. And under President Donald Trump, the U.S. entered into a new North American trade agreement that actively discourages formula imports from our largest trading partner, Canada. However, those products that jump through, uh, that jump through all those hoops face further restrictions. The FDA mandates that even qualifying formula manufacturers must wait 90 days before marketing any new formula. As a result, not surprisingly, 98% of all formula consumed in the United States is produced domestically. Moreover, if that supply is ever endangered, as it has been by lockdown-induced logistical problems and corporate recalls, American consumers have few other options. Trade restrictions uh, function to prevent reliable lines of importation of foreign formula. Thanks to that 90-day delay on marketing, foreign suppliers can't introduce new products to the market quickly either. So if you have adopted children, a double mastectomy, or some other reason for needing formula for your baby, you can thank advocates of tariffs and other trade restrictions for shortages. Naturally, the baby formula protectionists have plenty of excuses for why their preferred form of central planning and big government intervention in the marketplace is necessary. They'll insist that FDA regulations are necessary to protect children, as if European baby formula is not already heavily regulated. European infant mortality also tends to be lower than U.S. infant mortality, so the claim that protectionism is for the children is clearly baseless. These facts, however, don't prevent Trump-style protectionists from claiming government regulations are good because China. Uh, Some tweets. The baby formula shortage reveals an amazing secret oligopoly. Three American companies control over 90% of the market. Hugely restrictive regulations thanks to big government money lobbying, prohibit foreign formulas, name another industry, sector, product like this. And someone else responds, you understand those regulations are there because everything from talcum powder to wood shavings have been found in formula coming from China, right? Secondly, the protectionists are likely to claim that government control of formula and all other dairy-based imports are important because they protect jobs. What protectionists are really saying is that you and your family must just do without essential goods in order to protect a small number of corporations that dominate the formula marketplace thanks to U.S. regulations. Finally, there is little doubt that if the federal government actually allowed some true degree of freedom in the formula marketplace, that entrepreneurs would step in to import formula to meet their needs quickly. This, of course, can't happen because these entrepreneurs don't want to be jailed, sued, and otherwise destroyed by federal bureaucrats. After all, protectionism must be enforced by federal police and federal courts, and that means fining and jailing any importers who run afoul of the law. Protectionism is fundamentally about using violence against Americans who try to bring goods to market in ways that protectionists don't like. Once again, the anti-capitalist fair trade advocates and advocates of WIC corporatism who caused these shortages will likely escape unscathed. 
Formula industry lobbyists will deploy and ensure nothing is done to endanger the protection-induced profits of the, as the, at the domestic firms. Welfare state leftists will ensure that the federal government continues to subsidize these corporations as well. Right-wing protectionists will continue to insist that foreign goods must be kept out to make America great. And somehow, this is all capitalism's fault. Uh, end of the article. Uh, before I throw it over to you guys, uh, I will say this. The formula issue didn't surprise me, um, but it did kind of come out of nowhere, right? Like someone said, hey, there's a, like a shortage on baby formula. And I went, yeah, that makes sense, you know? And then I didn't realize like how bad it actually was and why it's getting worse. And so I figured, you know, pull this up and talk to you guys. So did you, did you see this coming? Um, particularly UKS, is this, was this on your radar at all? Well, I had no idea of all the protectionist measures on baby formula. Uh, yeah, so, but I'm in a sense not surprised because this is the same kind of rationale for the Jones Act and for any kind of protectionist legislation. I'm always reminded of Henry George who said, protectionism in all of its forms does to your own nation in peacetime what the enemy would do to you in, in wartime. Uh, you know, suppose that you uh, uh, went to war. They would say, well, let's cut off the trade with that country. Well, that's what the what the protectionists are doing. They are the enemy of the economy because they're essentially um, making it possible, impossible for people to seek alternative sources of the uh, supplies that they need. And then baby formula, uh, yeah, they, they, just as, as with the Jones Act, they use China as the boogeyman. And they, if they wanted to exclude China, they could say, well, we're going to exclude China, but why lump in Europe into that same, um, uh, into that same boat? Well, because it's convenient for them and it, and it eliminates the competition. And the public falls for it uh, because their congressmen and senators are on the, uh, on the payoff for, from you know, campaign contributions. And that's just the eternal problem with this uh, stuff that happens in every industry. Thanks for bringing this up. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a post on social media um, basically showing um, like, hey, look at this. This is the baby formula aisle in, you know, some town or whatever in Mexico. And it's full, right? So the, the line of thinking is like, why is there a shortage in the United States when, you know, Mexico's got plenty, right? We're, we're, supposed, to, we're supposed to be better than Mexico, um, but they've got plenty. There's plenty else all over the world. Um, but it's just not here for whatever reason. And I think this article highlights, you know, a, a, a good reason why it's not here, right? Why, why can't we just get that, you know, the, that Mexican baby formula? Or is that what people will end up doing, right? The, the, the border towns or whatever, right? They, when, when gas prices shot up, you know, there were articles saying uh, Mexico, like tired of Americans coming in and stealing their cheap gas or coming in and buying up all their cheap gas. Is it going to be the same? Is there going to be a rush to the Mexican border, the Canadian borders? Um, to get cheap baby or to get baby formula at all? Like what are, what's, what can people do? Is it Bill Gates fault? That was another conspiracy theory. That was, that, <laughs> did you see this one, MC? You no, like conspiracy theories. One. Oh, uh, Bill Gates investment in lab produced breast milk. So apparently like there was, you know, there was talk. Um, it was like, it was a, a Bill Gates procedural, right? Like, um, don't, Stop, you know, you, you don't need to, you know, stop breastfeeding for whatever reason. Like they made breastfeeding out to be a bad thing, right? So they got everyone hooked on formula and then 
and then they caused this formula shortage. Um, and then, you know, and then Bill Gates has, is already working on like a lab produced breast milk company. So you can't get, you can't get your baby formula. Uh, but here's Bill to the rescue again, um, with his, with his new, uh, bio milk or so, I think this come B I O M I L Q. Um, you know, take it for what you will. Here's a headline from Reuters, uh, basically debunking it. Fact check Bill Gates' investment in lab-produced breast milk company is unrelated to baby formula shortage, contrary to posts online. Um, but we know. Yeah, I think I think it's unrelated. But whatever. you do think it's unrelated? Okay, <laughs> yeah. go on. No, that, that's that's it. Just con- just convenient. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's conspiratorial. Sometimes it's just convenient. Yeah. Right. But that was, you know, for years, that has been, like, my line that I would tell people um, when things seemed a little fishy, right? I, I, can't, I can't think of a good example of it, but I would always say, oh, how convenient, right? How convenient that you should be in the right place at the right time when, you know, things go haywire and you just happen to be the one, you know, to save the day or whatever or to have an excuse for something, right? How convenient. So how convenient for Bill Gates, you know, that he's got an investment in this lab-produced breast milk company. Yeah. Well, around got, the same time. He's also into the fake meat stuff too and uh, farmland. And, I mean, he's in a lot of things. So Okay. I mean, so even he's in one thing that I really like. He's, he's, uh, he's in uh, thorium reactors. Um Okay, that's one. That's probably the most important thing uh, that could be considered a, a positive, uh, if it's ever allowed. So, well, the the uh, these bioengineered things are probably not going to be looked upon. I mean, for health conscious parents, I don't see that as superior to. Um, I, I don't. I don't see them running to that as the alternative. Then, well, where are you going to run? You have a you have a starving baby and no way to feed it. That's the that's the that's the idea, right? Not not all not all mothers not all parents uh, are capable of producing breast milk. It's not only supplemental, you know, for you know those who choose it. Sometimes it's a necessity, and so if you're if you're one of those you know families that aren't able to produce the breast milk on your own and the local CVS, Walgreens, whatever is out of stock or rationing the food you need to feed your child, right? What do you do? Oh, and not to mention there's also posts across, you know, across the interwebs um, saying homemade formula is a bad idea, right? So they're steering people away from making food to feed these children, um, when nothing else is available, and well, then an what option, what pops up? Bill Gates. An option. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah that's what you say is a possibility, but I, I an option, of course. Would you say there's just there a shortage and they they don't have it at all available? The the shelves are bare. When they're when when they run into a crisis with the shipping, they give a temporary waiver to the Jones Act. Possibly, I'm just guessing. Uh, possibly they could give a, a waiver to the barrier on importation of um, formula milk uh, so that it could be flown in or, or shipped in from, from Europe um, with a waiver. Okay. Uh, 
that requires the government to act like in the in the on behalf of the people right how many you know the mother well, in ohio have, there have been there have been times when they gave this you know uh, every president i think has given a waiver to the jones act when there was a uh, an emergency with regard to the hurricane in puerto rico the uh, storms on the east coast um the bp uh, oil spill you know uh no, it's it's very reluctant that they do so, but when the clamor from the public is is great enough to hurt a politician, um, they can find a way if they. Uh, I mean, it's it's not like that, or they starve to death. I don't think um, the public would. You know, all they need is one case of a kid who's starving, and the politician can go down for that. Okay. I mean, there there's, I can almost guarantee there's going to be something of that coming down the line. Because the shel- the shelves are bare, and the p- the people are going to the homemade formulas. So if one of those produces a bad batch of some kind, um, th- there's going to be collateral damage or casualty, or you know, an, an unfortunate event um, based on this shortage. Like it can't it can't not happen because there's clearly not enough to go around. Someone somewhere somewhere uh, someone somewhere is going to go without, and it's going to be tragic. And if we're waiting. If we're waiting on, you know, the federal government or the president to go like, wow, this formula thing, you know, when he comes out of his dementia stupor, this formula, I got to, I have to, you know, we have to repeal the Jones Act or reprieve or suspend or whatever. Um, Shouldn't they be doing that already? Shouldn't they have gotten ahead of the game? Right. As soon as they went, hey, we might see a formula shortage. Well, we better get some formula in here for the children. Right. Isn't that always the cry for the children? Well, you got to create the problem first before you can solve it. Okay. So a little <laughs> bit of conspiracy in there. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's the whole monopoly, uh, government enforced monopoly thing we were talking about from the beginning. Okay. So the gov- all the government regulation interference creates this problem and then they have to step in and solve it. But you don't yep. think, you, do you think they're purposefully doing this or is this one of those, they don't realize the depth of their own incompetence? Uh, I think, I think it's a way bigger problem than that. It's, uh, it's like, I always tell people like the U S government wouldn't be nearly so bad if it was following the constitution. Like where, where in the constitution does it say they can, uh, tell people which companies can make baby formula or not, or if we can import it or not, that's, that's all bullshit. General welfare, general welfare clause. Yeah, well, it's they interpret it wrong. Okay, so says you. We we've yeah. got nine Supreme Court justices. That is that how many we have now? How many do we have? Yeah, I, yeah, hang them all. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> they typically are. It's unbelievable. All yeah. right, and 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 that's the funny thing. You know, they they can be wrong, and then it's like, oh well, and then just, we'll just keep doing it over and over again. Uh, it's like how many how many things have they been wrong about? Well, you know, slavery was one of them. So, I mean, fair enough. It's but they, but they all still have their jobs. We can't we can't get rid of you know the, that system because you know that it's, it's like they're they're definitely uh, capable of flaws. <laughs> so. All right, do we want to talk about that ever so briefly as it relates to the uh, Roe versus Wade thing? Um, I bring it up only because there was a. Uh, uh, a caller that called in on free talk live, I think last week, Sunday or whatever, while I was on, 
Uh, sure. And, you know, he was bringing up, you know, the, the purpose, the reason for the Supreme Court, since they're like, you know, they're getting harassed outside their home. And one of the other hosts of Free Talk Live basically said, like, good that they're getting harassed outside their home. Like, this, this should, that should definitely happen. Um, you know, if they're making the wrong decision, right? Um, but the, the reason they can't be fired is because, you know, their, their, their lifetime appointment is so that they don't have to. And I'm not suggesting that they get fired. I'm, I'm suggesting the whole system is kind of broken. I agree. I'm not going to disagree with that, but is, is, can there something, can something be said for the idea of the lifetime appointment so that they're not beholden to any party or a special interest or anything like that because hey my job is secure um i will i will do it in accordance with the constitution and with my conscience or whatever like at a, a, at let, first let glance reading that. what's that let, let me know when you find a, a solution for that i don't, I don't, I don't think there well is. it's like it's like we're we're people we're, we're all capable of being uh, bought off or whatever okay but we, we, you know, again, KS will weigh in if you want to, but we see it in academia as well, right? Uh, professors get tenured, and they, they then have a level of freedom to pursue things that they may not otherwise be able to do without that, you know, pr- pr- job security and protection, right? It's, it's, supposed to, it's supposed to grant more freedom uh, to branch out and do, you know, do things different. I guess I don't know how to phrase that, but with the Supreme Court, you go like, well, we don't we we don't want the money to come in or you know the special interest to buy them off in some form or fashion, you know, or or the threat of being fired, you know, when the when a new administration comes in, you know, if you if you're a uh, Democratic uh, Supreme Court justice, and as soon as you know as soon as the Republicans take control, they all the Democrats are out, and you put in nine Republicans, and back and forth we go. No, I, I like the idea of a continual review. Uh, I mean, when you re- mention it in the context of universities and tenure, uh, I'm absolutely opposed to tenure. This, this is just an excuse for them for um, laziness. I don't trust anybody to, to be uh, uh, <clears throat> so honorable and uh, that, that they need to be removed from all outside pressure I mean, you get uh, professors who, you know, give up teaching. They, they, they care le- could care less about their students, even about their research and all, all kinds of other things because they're shielded. from It's just protectionism. <coughs> so for Supreme Court justices, uh, I don't think they ought to be appointed by life for life. They, ha- they are subject to the political pressure when they get appointed in the first place. It just means that it's an interminable um, effect of the appointment. They should be held to a constitutional um, review, uh, maybe every five years. By who? Uh, they're well, the they're the supreme judge of what's constitutional. Yeah. So well, but if they but they they, they divide in their opinion about what is constitutional, and <coughs> I don't know that anyone in the country um, is, uh, you know in a better place than they are to, to judge what is constitutional. Okay. But the point is that they, it, without any kind of review, they could just ignore it. Okay. Uh, like like uh, MC pointed out, uh, uh, Roger Tanney 
and the Dred Scott decision justified uh, slavery. Um, the military draft w has always been justified. It's still in place, the Selective Service, d despite the 13th Amendment against involuntary servitude. Um, you know, they, they pick and choose whatever, what is customary. But um, I, 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 don't, I just don't like the idea that anybody okay. should be immune from any outside pressure. Okay. I don't, want, I don't want to put you on the spot because I'm generally curious, even though this is going to sound adversarial. What does that review process even look like? Right? Like, again, I, I, my question still stands. Like, who's, who would be qualified to review the Supreme Court to say, yes, they're acting constitutionally or not? And if you're saying it's the other justices on the bench because they disagree. Obviously, the angry people sitting outside their houses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I make it make it like uh, with the Federal Reserve Board chairman. Uh, you, you're you have a term for the Federal Reserve Board. It's five years, but for for a justice, okay, you could say it's eight years or ten years, but then your term is up. You may be reappointed by the person, the the next president in line, um, but you might uh, be replaced by somebody else. Okay. So, you you presumably in order to be. Um, Reappointed, you have to have shown reasonably good behavior. Of course, in the case of of uh, anybody appointed to the Federal, Res Federal Reserve Board, um, they have always had to show compliant behavior. Uh, meaning, but actually, I, I'd have to say that Jimmy Carter appointed um, Paul Volcker with a very tight money policy that brought down inflation, even though it killed Jimmy Carter's chances of re-election, or it was probably the main, one of the main factors that killed his, his re-election. Um, Joe Biden may have done the same thing. He just now reappointed Jerome Powell, who is in the process of tremendously tightening up uh, the money supply. Well, tremendously, you know, um, nothing on the measure that I would do, but uh, he is in the process of doing it, so he's he's doing it because he has to fight inflation. But uh, in the process, if they bring on a recession, Joe Biden could lose the election because of the you know the recession has more impact than inflation with voters. At any rate, I don't like any of them. I'd get rid of the Fed. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to disagree with that statement. But it's you know, it's it's the idea that how do I want to phrase this? If the who that we're talking about with the Supreme Court is congressional appointment, right, then, you know, they they could theoretically just check the waters, right? Like, oh, we, ha we have a, a Republican, you know, we have a Republican Congress. Uh, my, my, um, my tenure is coming up, right? My, my term is coming up. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to vote at the Supreme Court level. Uh, the way the conservatives and the Republicans would want me to vote. That way, when I do come up for renewal, they're more likely to confirm me and I get another eight-year term or whatever, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the con that would be the concern with having it go that way is they, they, they placate to whomever is responsible for getting their job back or for, you know, reappointing them instead of, with the tenured aspect of it and the lifetime appointment, they can actually do what the constitution says theoretically. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any ideal solution. Okay. I don't either. But, um, 
but I also I'm I also don't have a problem with people protesting outside their house, right? Mm, but I think I think my my only point is that the Constitution needs to be rewritten in a way that it doesn't take eleven people to figure out what it means. Yeah, and I know we've talked about this before because the claim is that there aren't that many five four decisions, right? But those are the popular ones, right? The po- the popular decisions that come down, you know, the ones that make headlines. It's always 5-4 one way or the other, or more recently, like 6-3, because there's more conservatives on the bench. Um, and I, w- I would think that if it was by the strict reading of the Constitution, it would have to be unanimous, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, if, if those nine people have a disagreement, it's not that one or two of them are wrong. And if one or two of them are wrong, like you fucking sit in the room until something you know, like a jury trial, right? You got to or all 12 or rewrite the constitution until it says what it says. You can't say it says what it says. If there's one really smart judge that, you know, obviously he's got, uh, you know, all the degrees and uh, accolades necessary to become this, this, you know, super important person that can uh, sway decisions of the whole country. Um, yeah, all of them should have to agree what it says. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, send it back. This is this is what we think and then you guys fix it or yeah. something. And that so so I I do think it's it, the constitution is is written I think it's pretty easy to understand. Um I think that they read into it what they want to believe. Right. So and it's all for political reasons. It's obviously all for pro- political reasons. Otherwise, it wouldn't be split. You know? Right. Oh, but that's what I'm saying. So I, the system is obviously flawed, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that it's the perfect system. I'm not saying it's the best system. I'm just making a case for the way it is now. Um, yeah. Because the, the, idea, the idea behind the lifetime appointment was supposed to, it was supposed to be like yeah. the way to avoid that political split. Right. Sure. You don't and, have to worry about this. Your job is safe, bro. Right. And I, I think it helps in some ways, but in other ways it doesn't. So go on. No, I can already talked about it. So. Okay. And again, no, no real solution aside from just tear the whole fucking thing down, rebuild. And again, pro- protest outside the homes all you want. Right. Like when, when it came up, I wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. um, against it. It's just in my mind, it seemed futile um, in the hands of the protesters, right? Like what, what did the protesters hope to accomplish by doing so? Um, other than threats and intimidation, which again, it's a government agent. So I'm fine with, uh, <laughs> right. Right. But it's not, they're not going to get them fired. They, you know, they're, they're not going to step down. They're not going to resign. Um, I don't know. If, maybe, maybe if they get hassled enough, <laughs> you think, I don't know what it would take. I mean, it wouldn't take me much to step down from a government position. Well, because, thank you, MC. I, like these people are throwing bricks at my house. I'm getting I, no. I'm done. Leave me alone. Well, okay. And so we experienced that a little bit here on the local level um, during the COVID lockdowns with the governor. And we've talked about this before. Um, there were protests outside the governor's house, right? Like you, the, you, the, you, the king of New Hampshire have no, you know, place to say where we cannot go and what we have to wear when we get there and whom we can do business with, et cetera. So there were protests outside the governor's house. Um, and you know, again, like, I don't know what people are hoping to accomplish aside from, Hey, you know, whatever. Um, but the, the, the governor didn't back down. He didn't say like, Oh, I was, I was wrong guys. You know, 
He like he doubled down and had his brother-in-law or whatever on the city council pass an ordinance that said you can't protest in front of people's houses in that town anymore. <laughs> so, so what are you going to do in front of that guy's house? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, whatever. Um, and during like one of the hearings recently, um, this this also came up again because it was like I think it's back in October, or whatever, and they're finally starting to get trials for it. Um, just like you know, was was in some town hearing. Um, that had, you know, uh, a public, public part of it, right? Like public, you know, the public was not, I don't want to say invited, but allowed to be in there. So protesters went and there's, you know, time for public comment and the protesters was there to make the public comment. And the governor basically gave like a wink and a nod, right? He just went, now's the time guys. And all of a sudden, like the sheriffs swarmed in on, you know, and targeted certain protesters and arrested them and, and had them hauled out of the public hearing, right? No shouting, no, you know, no disruption of the, you know, the official government ceremony. Um, you know, one of the ladies that got arrested, she, again, also called into Free Talk Live and basically said, like, you know, she finally got the paperwork. And what she has been accused of doing is whilst sitting in her seat, you know, during this, during this ceremony of government procedures, like, she said, Amen. Like that's the, that's what's on the official accusatory, you know, indictment. Like she said the word amen. And so she was like hauled out of there and arrested. And I was like, please take that to trial. Like I would love to, you know, if you want to, of course, but I would love, I would love to see, you know, the, the prosecutor take that number one and say like, yep, this is totally against law. And then I would love to see a jury, like find a way to convict that. Right. You said, Amen. Not loud, not obnoxiously, if she said it at all, but just, you know, like someone got up and said something, you're sitting at your desk, you went, amen, you know, or sitting in your chair and go, amen. And then boom, sheriff, swarm, bow, you're out of here, you know, targeting the opposition, basically. So for, at the Supreme Court level, they've got to have way more security, you know, than, than, the, than the state does at the, you know, than the governor does at the state level. I can't imagine what that would look like. You know, the, the protesters out there for too long, you know, they, they, they already got like the fences up at the Capitol building all over again, you know, ah, we're going to keep them out. So they, what, they put up fences around the Supreme court justice's house and get them escorted to and from wherever they handle their business. I don't know where the, the, you know, where the Supreme court building is or, you know, in Washington DC or whatever, but you just, I'm sure they have that figured out. So I don't, again, I'm, I'm not saying not to protest. I just. I don't know what the protesters hope to accomplish um, simply because of the, the tenure and the lifetime appointment. Like they, they have, they have no reason to change their mind. Um, But as I've said before, uh, you know, on this program and on others, um, when it comes to politicians, police, government agents, and things like this uh, every so often, right. They need to be reminded that they've got some skin in the game. And if these protests are, are a reminder to the Supreme Court justices that, hey, uh, you can be gotten to, right, if you start to, you know, go against the Constitution for whatever that's worth, um, that we know where you live, right? And I don't, I don't have a problem with that either. I just don't know. I just don't think it's going to serve the purpose of overturning the decision that they were about to make, right? Make sense? Sure. All right. Next headline. What do we got? Sure, let's go. 
Um, something about a dog or? Oh, I was going to save that to the end, but you. Is, oh, okay. How, how much time do we got left? I don't know. I haven't even looked. We can do one more before the dog walker or the, the dog barker. Oh, where was it? Uh, New York City mayor defends kidnapping, strip searching mother for selling fruit without paying the city first. That was the other one that you guys were talking about. Uh, in the land of the free, attempting to earn money in certain professions without first paying the state for the privilege of doing so can and will get you kidnapped and extorted. These laws are applied to children behind lemonade stands as well as adults selling tacos. The state callously and with extreme prejudice has been documented arresting people or even beating up women to enforce these licensing laws. In the case below, one woman's persecution, including kidnapping and strip searching, goes all the way to the top, thanks to New York City's new mayor. On April 29th, Maria Falcone, a mother from Queens and longtime fruit vendor, had knocked off for the day from selling fruit and was sitting with her daughter, who, uh, when one of, two, excuse me, sitting with her daughter, when two of NYPD's finest approached them. By this time, Falcone was not selling fruit any longer, but because she had a cart with mangoes, melons, and other fruit on it, those two officers put her in cuffs and kidnapped her. I felt terrorized, Falcone told AM New York, but this was only the beginning of Falcone's nightmare. Uh, below is the footage taken by her daughter and posted to Twitter over the weekend. You can check out the article for yourself. Uh, posted it on the Telegram with the show prep. I'm not going to play the video here. After being publicly humiliated, Falcone was then taken to the department where she was held for hours. According to AM New York, officers told her to take off her sweats, uh, take off her sweater, pants and shoes, and a female officer strip searched her for drugs and weapons for selling mangoes. After forcing the innocent mother to strip naked and searching her most private of areas, Falcone was issued a citation for the violation of unauthorized commercial activity. I felt very scared and very fearful, she told the local news outlet. I set up in an area where I'm not in anybody's way, I'm up against the wall, and I'm just there. Not to do anything to anybody, just setting things like fruits and churros. After the video went viral over the weekend, Mayor Eric Adams held a press conference, during which he should have decreed Falcone's treatment, but instead did the exact opposite. Adams fear-mongered that people will soon be barbecuing in the subway if mothers aren't kidnapped and strip-searched for selling fruit. Next day is propane tanks being on the subway system. Next day is barbecuing on the subway system, said Adams in a press conference on Monday. You just can't do that. Uh, despite Falcone being terrified of what happened, Adams, as Reason Magazine points out, says people should be afraid of her because she is unable to obtain the proper permits thanks to the city limiting them, as Reason reports. Yet, contra Adams' remarks, this is not a story about the perils of mom-and-pop vendors selling products people want on the subway and what dangerous dissent it might lead to. Falcone wasn't cited because her business is inherently illegal. She was cited because she does not have a business license, something that many small entrepreneurs like herself cannot afford to obtain. The $500 permits are capped, meaning that thousands of people not fortunate enough to receive one are forced to shutter their livelihoods, operate illegally, or attempt to raise the money to lease one from a lucky license recipient at exorbitant rates. An unfeasible ask for many. Uh, the MTA, Metrop uh, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, recognizes the benefits that vending can provide, but there are also safety-oriented rules about vending on platforms, said Aaron Donovan, a spokesperson for the agency, in a statement. While there is a wide range of opinions about which rules to prioritize, the MTA appreciates that the NYPD is working across the board to protect subway riders and encourage compliance with all rules of conduct in the system. 
Now this mother who was likely already struggling to get by will be swamped in court fees and fines. Because police confiscated her means of making an income, she will have a very hard time attempting to pay for her extortion and her chances of ending up in jail for non-payment now have skyrocketed. Good job, New York. Sadly, this is one of many incidences which people trying to earn a living have been attacked or otherwise kidnapped by police protecting society. In fact, a woman named Elsa, whose story the Free Thought Project brought to you in 2019, was sitting next to Falcone on the day she was kidnapped in strip search. For those who don't recall, Elsa suffered a similar fate for selling churros in the subway. Her crime the same as Falcone's, failing to first pay for the state for the privilege of earning money to put food on the table. Uh, end of the article. Um, your thoughts on this, but also it kind of reminds me of the uh, New York taxi cab monopoly, right? Like you got to get your medallion to operate one. And it yeah. just seems like the overall like culture of New York is this gross... Uh, level of protectionism um, making it difficult for all New York. I guess that would be the the theme of today's show is uh, protectionism. (laughs) Well, let me see if I can line up some other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if, if the police were going to handle this a little bit better way, what they should do is try to help her get the necessary paperwork and the, the license and, um, and then, and then she would be illegal, and they wouldn't have to strip search her. But, uh, but no, they'd rather be bullies. Yes. <laughs> there was a there was a recent post. Um, David Hogg, the um, the Florida shooting. Uh, I don't want to say victim, but he was there. Uh, he, you know, I guess he's trying to start his own little businesses or whatever. And he put up a post that said, "Like, why is it so difficult to start a business in America?" The government is supposed to be like helping people like me get this stop job, not making it more difficult, right? And it was one of those like aha moments for everyone else going like, "See, <laughs> see, kid, like these these are the fuckers that you were defending, you know, like just a few years ago, and now you're seeing the other side of things." So, you know, will he have a change of heart? I doubt it, um, but it's one of those things. Like, yeah, they they should make it easier for you to do things. Um, and then they don't like they, their whole job is not to make it easy for you. It's to make it easy for themselves and their cronies to get these things done, you know, because if, if they can, you know, backhand the license to their friend who can then sell it to this lady for an exorbitant and cost. Right. The other, the other problem is, is that, uh, the subway isn't a, a private, uh, property. So, um, so yeah, so it, it, it lends itself to this kind of corruption, and, uh, you know, if it was private, like, like the mall, um, you just have to deal with the mall. And if they don't want you there, you're not there. Like there's, you know, at the, at the private mall, there's not a problem of vendors just showing up there and selling stuff because it's private property. So yeah. it makes sense. What do you, okay. So that might, that could end up being one of those situations where this is worse, um, if the subway were made private, right? Cause the private owner would just tell her, no. Right and force exactly. to remove her and do whatever, yeah. So she wouldn't get to vend at all. Like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't seem like or, a valuable outcome. D- depending what you mean, it's it's it would still be fair though. If she wants to sell stuff there, she would have to rent out a stall from the private property owner. You know, like this is this is where you sell stuff, and um, or you, you basically you'd have to pay the private property owner for the rights to sell there. But that would assume that that the private property is, is worth something, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's, 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 it's the subway area, right? Like the, the, the amount of people that flow in and out of there. Yeah. Um, so you would assume it would have a lot of value. You would think. And, and if it has that much value, then it should, you know, it, then you basically have to sell a lot of product to make it worth, uh, you know, paying for your spot. And it's the same way the malls work. You know, if, if you can't afford to pay the mall, the money for the spot, then you go somewhere else. You go to a cheaper place that doesn't have as many people going to it. (laughs) Okay. So is this one of those situations then where we're upset about it because it's the government doing it, but if this were, if it were private about it, I'm upset about it because they treated her in, in, in a very rude way because she didn't have the proper paperwork. Um, and yeah. what and what they should have done instead is is help help her get the paperwork and and, and if it's if that's impossible then I I mean I don't know what to do so like she she has to go somewhere else I guess okay I mean I I hear you um, but when it comes to private businesses they're you know even even under state capitalism um, it's not always it's not necessarily depending on the situation, right? It's not always the private businesses looking out going like, Oh, we're, we're, you know, we're here to help you. Like at that point you're a trespasser and you get mm-hmm. treated as such. Right. Right. So if she were, you know, looking at a mall or whatever, you know, if she was, if she just started vending outside the mall, um, I don't think that the private security is going to be like, Oh, come this way and fill out an application for this store spot over here. Right. They're no, just going to haul her ass out of there anyway. Yeah. If she, if she opened up business inside of a mall, without you know paying for for the right to do so then she would be removed yeah that's what i'm saying so in this but, case but there there's a place to go you know in the mall where you can say hey i want to i want to open up a, a store in your store in your mall you know so yeah uh, and everybody knows that and that's that's why people don't just randomly open up shop at the mall okay I mean, again, I hear you, but this, if, if you know that, you know, if you know that New York has licensing fees, right. You know, and if the, if the lady who this happened to was sitting right next to her, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that this didn't come up in some sort of casual conversation. Yeah, Um, maybe. I I don't, I don't know. And and that's the thing. Like I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not really against, uh, well, I mean, I'm against the government existing in this, in this way for the subway, but I, I, that's why I said the solution is the, the subway should be privatized. And then, okay. then you don't have to worry about the government thugs uh, messing with somebody. Yeah. It would just It'll be, be some private. other thugs. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But, <laughs> but that's, that's the way property works. You know? No, I, I, I get it. I'm not disputing that part of it. I'm just, I'm trying to think of it from, from her perspective, right? Like the way the article is written, she's clearly the victim in this case. Um, and I don't think she would be any less of a victim Inside. I don't think she should be arrested and 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 strip searched. Okay, so that's excessive. But but can but can she operate there? No, like you okay. like whether it's private or public, like you have to follow some type of rules or else. Okay. Uh, well, then somebody could just take your stuff because so, so trespassing her from the property, <laughs> removing her from the property, fine. All anything else like hauling off to jail, the strip search excessive. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, again, I just this is, is is one of those things where I like I respect the the private property rights. Um, I just don't know if that if that always helps these people in these situations. 
No, and it doesn't. Um, yeah. However, if there's no private property, then somebody could just take her cart and be like, it's my cart now. Get lost, lady. That is true. <laughs> you know? Why? That would be so. the state, which they did, right? They confiscated her stuff. <laughs> they went, you're not allowed right. to be here. We're keeping this, you know, poof, be gone. Yep. All right. All right. This Again, this dog one is short, so let's just do this one, have some fun with it, and then I guess we can wrap it up for the week. Uh, Aurora Dog Bark Law. City limits how long a dog can bark. A city in Chicago suburbs is regulating how long a dog can bark. Aurora has approved a new excessive noise law. If a dog barks for more than 15 minutes at a time between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m., the owner could get a $100 ticket. Neighbors would need to make recordings or find multiple witnesses to report a violation. The city is also limiting how many cats or dogs a household can have as pets at one time. The new law limits the family to to have four pets and only two of one type without approval from the city's animal control agency. Ferrets, rabbits, guinea pigs, and hamsters fall under the same rule. Pets already in a household would be grandfathered in under the law. So short... But come on, man. Like 15 minutes at a time. So be do, during, during noisy hours, right? I think that's what got me. Like this, is, this isn't even uh, like a noise complaint. Like I can't sleep because the neighbor's dog is barking too loud. This is the noisy time of day. This is when you should be allowed to make as much noise as you want, uh, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., you know, but, but 15 minutes or more. So, like, you got your asshole neighbor over there. He's like, oh, I hear that dog barking again. And he just starts his recorder. And as soon as he gets, like, 50 minutes, like, I'm calling the cops. So, your thoughts, MC? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have uh, too much thoughts about it. Um, it th- this kind of law is bad because of, well, it's obviously written by Karens. You know? <laughs> so yes. If, if that's an appropriate thing to say. But, um I don't think there's anything inappropriate yeah, on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel sorry every time I say that because there are people named Karen out there that are nice people. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not convinced yet. Uh, those chads though, you know, throw them off a cliff. Um, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about that after the show. Um, yeah, it's because even with, even without a law like that, it doesn't matter. Like if you're creating a nuisance, then you should be able to make a complaint and you should have, you should be able to bring it to your community and find a way to deal with it uh, without resorting to murder. So, you know, okay. that's, that's, I think that's why we have the ability to uh, collectivize to some degree um, so that uh, it's not every, everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, completely out for themselves. Like, oh, I have a problem with him. It's okay. I have a gun. I'll just end his life. You know, or just shoot the dog. Yeah, <laughs> there's this. there has to be a better way of of handling those situations. Um, and s- some people think, oh, well, having a law will make that easier. I I think all it does is is make it so where, uh, well, it's it's to get the gang of the you know the the state on your side. The, the, um, of course. So, so that who better? So though? So, There's so not going to be a better no debate if you're going to have there, someone on your side. It might as well be the state. Yeah, but my point is, it. I think 
you know, pe- people resort to asking for more laws because they don't want to have the debate all the time. And I, I'm against that. I say, go ahead, have the debate. It's kind of like there's uh, laws for all kinds of stuff. You know, we're, we're breaking the law constantly, uh, even without knowing it. Um, and, uh, well, I lost track of my, what I thought was going because my girlfriend's making noise. <laughs> Unrolling the tinfoil over there? <laughs> yeah. Tell her I can hear that. She can, uh, Rich can hear that. <laughs> what are you doing? You still doing it? Stop. <laughs> it, this whole thing, like I, I was unfortunate to have to participate in some of this noise ordinance thing. Um, friend of the show, uh, I think when he called in, he went under the name Cosmo, if I remember correctly. Sure. Um, but he was having like minor issues with the, with the, shopping center across the marina from his house because across the marina they would do zumba exercises like at you know 10 or 11 in the morning and it's not that he was woken by this stuff he just didn't like it mm-hmm. um and so he looked up like you know the the association rules the ordinances or whatever and then spent money on on time and energy because i was on the clock when i did this which is why i was you know more okay doing it um but you know he goes he goes like can't you hear that i go like dude i don't hear anything and he opens (laughs) up he opens up the door and if you perk your ear a certain way you know towards the window there's a vague sound of music you know coming in which (laughs) just destroys you know the the quiet serenity of his of his house so I end up there with like a decimeter or a decibel meter reader, whatever. I don't know how to say that. Um, like 10 feet away from this Zumba class because whatever the ordinance says, you know, you can't be over a certain decibel rating at this distance. So he, he went online, bought this thing, and then sent me down to get like the decibel reading, you know, for him so that he could lodge an official complaint with whomever the complaint board is. And I'm like... Dude, like you, number one, you can barely hear it. If you just shut the door to your office, you won't hear it all. I was like, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to shut the door to my office. You know, I'm like, but if you, if if you close the doors, like you can't hear it anymore. The reason you can hear it is because you have everything open. Um, and I thought that was ridiculous at the time. He knew that I thought it was ridiculous, but he was paying me to do it. So he's like, I, I don't care what you think, Rich, take the meter, take your money and get me my reading. Um, but it, you know, it's it's again, it's a total, it's a total Karen thing, because it, even if they get the recording, like, are, how, how are they? If your dog's in the house, how are they going to trace it back to your dog, right? And how how can they prove that your dog was barking at that specific time, you know, as opposed to any other dog in the neighborhood? I, you know, it seems it seems to me like number one, it's Karens, but it's it's going to lead to a whole bunch of abuse, right? And neighbors yeah. will need to make recordings or find multiple witnesses. So you want, you know, you want but, to get rid of some also, dude in your neighborhood. Boom. You just, I don't think there should be, there needs to be a, a law for every little thing and, and then have restrictions and like, why, why is it 15 minutes? Why isn't it 20 minutes? Or why isn't it 10? Like it's just it's arbitrary, it's just, man. Yeah. It's Same random thing. and arbitrary. Like, uh, you know, so, uh, like well, if it's if it's fourteen minutes, then oh, it's a okay. Yes, know? but it, it could still really be bothering somebody, and like they should still have somebody to talk about it rather than you know resort to violence. So, 
Um, and that's why I'm against these type of laws. Like if, if there's a nuisance, you should be able to go talk to a group of people and that group of people should be able to say, uh, no, just, just, you know, you're an idiot. Go away. Stupid Karen. Like, yeah. Or, you know, because, but at least then that person knows that, okay, maybe they're out of line instead of, uh, you know, if it was totally, uh, you know, free for all, then, um, then people might resort to violence uh, more easily. So, all right, F- fair enough that there should be some sort of arbitration. Uh, sure, yeah. You know, na- neighborhood convenes, you know, but then, but I know. don't think it should be at a court saying, "Oh, well, you you went over this random amount of time, and therefore, you, you know, you're guilty." It's uh, it wasn't I think 15 it's the wrong minutes way of, of barking, it. Yana. It was 14 minutes and 30 seconds of barking, and then a whining and a squeal. Totally different thing. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Totally different thing. All right. Fucking final thoughts. No, thanks. All right, let's wrap it up. That'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can still do it through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Peace.